My Euro Diary, your daily guide to Euro 2020. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from and get it delivered every day to your inbox. And get involved in the show using our Twitter feed and our email address, which you can find in the description of the podcast. My Euro Diary, your daily Euro 2020 guide. Hello and welcome back to my Euro Diary. Every single day there's a game at the Euro 2020 tournament. I'll be here with yet another podcast for you to listen to. And you guys have been loving the series so far, so thank you for all your support and thank you for all your downloads, your listens. It's been great to see so much support on the podcast so far. Today, we've got a jam-packed episode. We're going to be reviewing today's action, taking a look at tomorrow's action, and there's plenty more action coming from this tournament. I'm sure everybody in England is getting far too ahead of themselves, as I'm sure most people are after today's win against Croatia. We're also going to go through the Austria and North Macedonian game and also the Netherlands-Ukraine game. So I'm going to go through all of those, give my thoughts and analysis on them and, of course, look ahead to tomorrow's action, which sees the conclusion of the first round of Group D fixtures and also we get to scout out Group E's teams. So without further ado, if you're new around here, make sure you subscribe to on your podcast platform. If that's Spotify, if that's Apple, that's wherever. I don't even know where people listen to podcasts. I, I listen to mine on Spotify, but if you listen to somewhere different... Click the follow or subscribe button and you can get notified whenever a new episode is released and it comes straight into your podcast platform. So make sure you do that. It's imperative. It's absolutely pivotal that you do that. So make sure you do that and get involved in the show via our email address at EuroDiaryPod. And let's get straight into this third day of Euro 2020 action. Well, is it coming home? Is it actually coming home? A 1-0 win today for England against Croatia. I'm still not convinced that it is coming home. But I'll get a little bit excited because I've seen us win at the tournament and I've seen us get a nice victory today against Croatia. Of course, I'm English, so I I can sort of speak from an English fan's perspective. Uh, Today was an interesting game, certainly. I don't think we quite looked out of control today. I'll go through my reaction when I saw the lineup today, which which was a negative one. I'll I'll level with you. I look at the side. I looked at having no, uh, no, no Jack Grealish in the side. I looked on the bench and I saw that we put two keepers ahead of Ben Chilwell and also uh, Jaden Sancho of Borussia Dortmund. And I thought, wow, that's that's pretty negative of you. Playing two CDMs, two defensive midfielders who I'd consider a six. So Rice and Calvin Phillips, despite the fact they didn't wear those numbers, but did play in those roles in particular. And I was like, oh, well, that's that's pretty disappointing, isn't it? Because we're not actually playing the better players that should be playing, and we're not playing particularly advanced either. We also put Trippier at left-back, who's traditionally a right-back, right-footed right-back, so that was also pretty difficult to look at. Um, and there was no no Grealish, which oh, I just I can't get, couldn't, can't still get my head around, even though we've won. And I was also having my doubts about Tyrone Mings, and I think most of the population did as well. So that was difficult to look at. But today, we it didn't quite go as badly as I thought. I thought we'd draw... I thought that side looks like it's going, that side screams to me, oh, we don't really want to lose today, which I think is fair enough. To go out there and lose your first game at, a, at the Euro 2020 tournament would be would be a travesty, to be quite honest. I think a lot of people would really, really lose their mind about that. And I think that's fair. You don't want to go out and lose your first game at the tournament. I think that's where that, that would probably annoy most people because you know you, in, in a tournament like this, it's all about keeping momentum. If you go out there and lose your first game, that sort of takes the momentum away. You saw what happened at uh, Euro 2016 with, uh, with with the Iceland game. We didn't carry much momentum going forward into the round of 16, and that led to us losing the game. So 
and it ended up getting us knocked out. So I think it's good to start with a win, and we have started with a win here, but it's not. It's definitely going to be twice as worse to start with a start with a loss. And I can kind of see Southgate's thinking, but then my, the sort of footballing side of me wants to. So like the sensible side of me saying that, and then the football side of me is going. Oh, but don't you want to see this this richness of attacking talents all playing together? You've got Jack Grealish, who's an incredible footballer, who I th- think could be as important for England as Harry Kane, because I, th- I just think if he gets the ball, he could be our... I know Phil Foden's got the haircut, but I think he could be our Gascoigne in this summer, like, just like uh, in the Euro 96. I think I think he could be our Gazza. But, yeah, so I was a bit disappointed to see in the lineup like that. Um, I'm going to come out and say it, that the, the midfield system worked perfectly today. Calvin Phillips was phenomenal, absolutely brilliant. I just I couldn't believe how good he was. I looked at the lineup before the game and I saw you've got two number sixes in there. I was like, that's not going to work. You know, that is an appalling choice of choice of midfielders. You're not going to get any progression in there. My choice would have personally been either Mount and Rice or Bellingham and Rice, just to get a bit more progression and to be able to carry the ball forward. But Phillips did it phenomenally today. Phillips did it perfectly. He carried the ball, drove the ball forward, and he was so good from a defensive point of view as well. You look at you look at what we did in that um, semi- World Cup semi-final in 2018, and you saw us just let Modric dictate the tempo of the game. Today, we didn't let him do that. We didn't let Modric get into the areas he wanted to, which is sort of a bit midway through the pitch. We Calvin Phillips, in particular, pushed him back, and he pushed him right onto the centre-back's feet. It's the only place that Luka Modric could collect, collect and dominate possession is right in front of the back line, which is where we wanted him. He, he, he can spray the ball long, but if you've got players in front of you pressing you, you're going to want to go short, and you know people didn't want to... You know, he, he didn't get the space that he wanted, Luka Modric. And for that, Calvin Phillips was fantastic. But driving us forward, Calvin Phillips, uh, player of the match for me, completed the most dribbles in the match to created the most chances in the match. Obviously, if, if you take the assist away from Calvin Phillips, he was still phenomenal, in my opinion. I think he was just brilliant. I, I can't believe how good he was today. It, it's just, I know this isn't the typical Calvin Phillips performance either. I've watched Leeds a few times, and he does play in that six. He plays in that quarterback role. But today, he was a completely different player and you've got to give props to Southgate and Calvin Phillips for, for revitalising that role. Um, who else do I want to give praise to out of this England side? Because it wasn't a complete performance. We did have control of the game and we did we did show a good amount of, of constraint over Croatia, limiting them to little or no chances. Expected goals there were a 0.36 chances, no big chances created. We had two. Phil Foden hit the post, obviously, early on in the game. It was virtually one of the first, first phases of play in the game. Uh, and the, the post was set, I think, about five minutes in. Um, I'm going to praise, you know I'm going to praise? I'm going to praise Tyrone Mings. You might not like it, you might not agree with it, but I'm going to praise Tyrone Mings because I thought he was decent today. Uh, I'm one of his biggest critics. I'll level with you there. I think concert should have been at the Euros instead of him. But I'm going to praise Tyrone Mings, and I thought he was really good, really good today. I thought he worked the ball really well. He was on the ball very very nicely as well, comfortable on the ball, even tackling and, and just defensive awareness. He was a bit better. I, I, what I usually have to say about him is that he's one of those players that doesn't does, has a lot of defensive frailties but gets away with it because he points and shouts. I think I've had far too many players like that at West Brom to, to count on one hand, to be honest. But Tyrone Mings, very good today, very pleased with the performance. Same for Calvin Phillips. A player that I'm going to talk down a little bit, who I think doesn't deserve as much praise as perhaps he's getting, is Raheem Sterling. It shows the nature of the flippant praising of England England fans who like to praise players for, for licking their own shoes. Uh, Sterling scored today, and it was a good goal, well-taken goal. 
Great to see him on the score sheet. Obviously, won this the game, so it's the winner. So deserves the, deserves the praise, deserves the all, all of the plaudits that he gets for that. However, the fact that they're saying he's man of the match is, is a bit over the top. Did well to get in the position to score, but otherwise than that, didn't really do much in the game. I'm not taking anything away from that goal. It's a good goal. Great to see a score, and obviously he won us the game. But Sterling didn't half um didn't half um didn't half not really do much in the game. So yeah. Not sure about Sterling and what the fuss is about with him. I've seen a lot of people really talking him up. Um, it, the fact that that's his first goal in a major tournament, it really, really does confuse me, to be honest. I, I thought um, I thought it was really odd. I, you know, the fact that that's Sterling's first goal in, in a tournament, um, it's it's quite odd. I've never, you know, I wouldn't have thought it like that at all. Um, but yeah, uh, it's very good to see England winning their first game. Um you know, at Wembley, it's it's fantastic to see as well. But yeah, it's a good performance in the end. I think we would have got beaten by virtually anybody else, to be quite honest. I think we would have got beaten by quite a lot of other teams if that was the case. I'm not sure seeing why we aren't using our substitutes a bit more as well in that sort of game. Jack Grealish not being on the pitch really does concern me. Either he doesn't trust him. I do get that you, if you're bringing Kane deep, you've got to have somebody running in behind. You've got to have that pace to run in behind the defence. But for me, there wasn't... Um, a massive need for that. I, I, I get the Kane drops deep and you have to have players running beyond him. I can't see why somebody more technical can't do that. I know the defence will push up inevitably when Kane does that, so he hasn't got that space. But that is when you bring somebody like Rashford and Sterling into the game. But you've got to scan it out first. You can't just drop Grealish. I just can't. I don't get that. I just have to see Jack Grealish on the pitch. He's He, he could be the best player at this tournament, for Christ's sake. But yeah, it was good to see England get the win and... Croatia, obviously not as good as they were in 2018. Uh, they've aged a bit since then. And, you know, I've, I've, I'm still thinking that Croatia can get through the group, but they'll have to step it up when they play Czech Republic next. I think that's a big opportunity for them to get to get some a win under their belt. But those are my thoughts on the England game. Let me know yours. You can get involved via Twitter feed or at email. And let's get straight on to North Macedonia versus Austria. So the North Macedonians at their first tournament have ended up losing in their first game 3-1 uh, to Austria. I was, I, I'm a bit upset about that. I wanted to see North Macedonia do well at this tournament and they were outplayed a bit by Austria. I thought North Macedonia, they didn't quite get onto the ball as much as I'd have liked. They tried to hit them on the counter and they did a few times and obviously Pandev, the, the historic captain and the legend that is Goran Pandev, managed to get his goal at 37 years of age at, um, at the major tournament. He was really fighting back the tears before the game as well. So you can see the passion from the North Macedonians, but I've got to criticise a man. I've, I've, I've talked up one Leeds player, and I'm going to have to criticise a Leeds player for the defending for the goal from uh, for Stefan Leiner, the Borussia Mönchengladbach right-back. Um, I'm going to have to talk down Alioski. His defending and his spatial awareness for that goal was, was pretty poor. He got it all wrong, uh, Alioski, at that back post with Leiner marking him. He decided to try and man-mark when actually he could have marked the, the run that he was about to make and, and didn't. And he got caught a bit too almost square onto his man. And yeah, I was a bit disappointed there for for um, for Alioski because I thought he was going to be the best player at the tournament for for the for the Macedonians. I also have to talk up Elif Almas, um, who I thought was very good today. I thought he did some good passing. And the same with Enis Bardi next to him, who's had a very good season. Um, last season for not the season just gone I mean the season before for, for Levante who got seven goals two assists in that season um, yeah the Macedonians it's a shame to see them go like that um, David Alaba 
what a game he had. The influence he had over that Austria team was fantastic. He's playing that libero role at the back. He's playing as centre-back and he was trying to drive forward at every opportunity and I'd really like to see that from him. He's obviously got a lot of quality on the ball and he's obviously just moved to Real Madrid from Bayern Munich and he's going to have so much quality on the ball and he's bringing the ball out the back and, and the Macedonians, they didn't know what to do because they're like, this is a centre-back. What do we do? <laughs> Who's marking the centre-back almost? And it was quite difficult for... Uh, Tchaikovsky and Pandev to keep up with uh, Alaba because he kept breaking out from the back and uh, the stats show it as well uh, he was my player of the match David Alaba today completed the most passes in the match from 93 you see the influence he's having he's wanting the ball he's wanting to pass most tackles in the game with three uh, 94% pass accuracy as well um, now let's look at his his, his, his dribbling and his, uh, his his ball recoveries as well 12 ball recoveries and the ways that 100% of his 100% of his runs were was was completely spot on as well from Alaba. So I was really pleased to see that, and pleased to see the fact that he was um he was bringing the ball out from the back. I never usually see a player play in that way. I mean, Franz Beckenbauer is the is the obvious is the obvious one for me play, uh, playing formerly for Germ West Germany. Sorry, and and he was very he was very good back in his day. But to see a, to see the guy play um to see Alaba play in that way it was fantastic you don't see players play like that anymore and you know it's refreshing almost if anything to see it, to see that happen and he should be very proud of himself for playing that libero role you know you don't see it very often unless you play football manager you don't really see it but of course they're going to be very proud of themselves Austria for winning the first game in the European Football Championship uh, and they're, go they're going to be pleased with themselves and uh, rightfully so they, they played very well and they played with a lot with less not very much fear at all Austria they were confident on the ball. They were confident when bringing the ball forward. And they ought to be very, very pleased with themselves. Um, in terms of Alaba, I'm just really pleased to see somebody playing a libero role. Uh, I've said enough on that now, uh, <laughs> on that particular point. Um, but yeah, Sabitzer was also very good for me for Austria. And up next for Austria, they've got the, um, the Netherlands, um, who, who are going to see play tonight at against Ukraine, or I'll talk about later on in the podcast. And then we're going to see... Um, Macedonia take on Ukraine, who I, uh, who I also think are going to be a bit of dark horses. But shame to see Macedonia not win, but the, it's not all over. They'll feel that's a bit of a dent to their, wo their hopes because they would have hoped that they could get a win against Austria, who I'd probably see as the weaker of the three sides, who are, who are almost destined to go through all the top three sides in that group. So Macedonia will be upset with themselves, but I believe they can go again. And I believe that they can keep limiting team space and keep going in the tournament. On to Netherlands versus Ukraine. And what a game I have just witnessed there between Ukraine and the Netherlands. In that first half, you wouldn't have thought that Ukraine would have got out of their heart. Half it's finished 3-2 to the Netherlands in the end. A goal from Dumfries settling the score. But in that first half, you wouldn't have thought that Ukraine would get out of their half at all in the game. And in the end, they've gone on and scored two fantastic goals. I'm going to firstly just point my little, my little guide over to Roman Yeremchuk, who I thought was phenomenal today. Um, not sure, don't know too much about him. I know he's had a good season playing for Ghent in Belgium, but Roman Yeremchuk today was absolutely phenomenal. I thought the way he played, the way he moved, he's constantly trying to make space for his teammates. I, I'm just going to put that out there. Golun and his assist tonight, absolutely phenomenal from Roman Yeremchuk, and he should be very, very pleased with his performance. But the Netherlands in the first half, they come. Um, in the first half, they confidently and concisely kept the ball. Uh, in the end, they had 62% possession. Uh, goals from early second half, goals from Wijnaldum and Weghorst. Weghorst only scoring his first international goal last week, and he's on the plane for, 
for the Netherlands. First goal came against his first international goal came against Georgia in a three 0 win. But obviously, fantastic to see him grabbing a goal. I've sung his praises throughout the Bundesliga season this season with twenty goals, eight assists for Wolfsburg, and yeah, he didn't let me down. But I want to I want to point another finger towards a player who did, doesn't quite play in the position that he normally does in his club football. And that belongs to uh, Alexander Zinchenko, who played in a sort of, not really a number 10, but a number 8 position, we'll call it today. And I thought was absolutely world class. He's so unfortunate that he was born with a left foot, because that means Pep Guardiola is destined to put him into the um, into the into the left back position, and I don't think Man City. They've been going on about needing a new new left back, going on about picking in, bringing in a Nuno Mendes from Portugal uh, and Sporting Lisbon. But I don't think they really need to be honest. You've got Alexander Zinchenko there, who I think is an absolutely fantastic player. His touch, his awareness, his ability to read the game. It, it's second to none. I I don't think you'll see too many footballers have that in them. And 1.7 million Man City signed him for when he first joined the club. So he's obviously got some talent and he was really showing it out there tonight and he should be really pleased with his performance. The technical ability that he has, the awareness to know where his opponent's going to be, the awareness to know where his teammates are going to be as well, it's 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 just second to none. And, you know, he'll be buzzing with that performance today. I mean, he won't be buzzing about the result. I think they were quite unlucky not to get a point out of it in the end. I thought the Netherlands, they held on in the end to get a point and obviously they went straight down the other, straight down the other end and managed to pick up their goal. But they should be really pleased with themselves what they've done today, Ukraine. The the passing, the moving from Zinchenko, just constantly everywhere in that midfield. Um, I don't think Melinovsky had the best game. I know he got an assist for that uh, last goal for Yaremchuk. But I thought Melinovsky didn't quite have his best game. I know he's been linked with Chelsea, but it wasn't quite his best game today. Uh, I believe there's more to come from him, however. But what a goal from Andrei Yarmolenko. I mean... <laughs> That's got all the tournament so far. Probably, I think the current, the current. Yeah, there's not been great goals in this tournament so far. Obviously, we've had the the good one, the good team goal almost from Austria earlier with uh, with Liner scoring for for for, for Austria there in that three one against North Macedonia. But Yarmolenko, have you seen a curl as as precise and as 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 just beautifully curved as that? I don't think I have. Um, there's plenty of standout performers in that game. Um, I want to also point my little my little finger towards uh, Vindal, who I thought when he came off the bench, he delivered some really dangerous crosses today. Obviously, Nathan Aki got the assist for that final goal for for them with um with the with the young lad Dumfries heading in from right back. Lots of Premier League teams will be chasing after him, and there's just so many star performers in, in such a fantastic game. How one team has gone away and lost that, I'll, I'll never know. That deserved to be a draw uh, in the end. I think Ukraine, in that first half, they failed to get out of their half. But in that second half, just after those two goals, it was, between, it, was about, it was about 65, 70 minutes on the clock. And they just absolutely fired into action. Uh, Yeremchuk um, nearly ended up scoring um, if it wasn't for Stekelenburg. But then a couple of minutes later, Yarmolenko gave them a bit of hope. And we, I remember Ali McCoy's talking on commentary for ITV, just going... You know, never. Uh, sorry, um, Ukraine. They need to pack up. You know, they just need to think about the next game for North Macedonia. Almost counting them out, and all of a sudden, this moment of brilliance from Andrei Yamalenko. It's in the back of the net, and he scored. And then Yeremchuk nodded in the equaliser. And then, unfortunately, you know, Dumfries. They they failed to clear their lines really. Um, Ukraine. I think they should have absolutely belted it out into the ta into the stand, and they didn't. The goalkeeper for Ukraine, Bushan, 
didn't quite cover himself in glory today, playing his football for Dynamo Kiev in the Ukrainian Premier League. Didn't quite cover himself in glory. Uh, and, it, yeah, it did end up costing them in the end, to be honest. But it's unfortunate. It's just the way it goes. Um, and it was unfortunate to see uh, Ukraine lose that game, really. I think they were quite unlucky and quite unfortunate to see, that, to see it go that way for them. And you've got to put a lot of praise on the Netherlands because they really had that, that Ukrainian side camped inside their own half. It was... It was really, really pressurising to see that way, and, and it was quite scary, to be honest. Um, the way that they had a complete and total hold over the game, but once that one goal went in, it's a bit worrying that against a better quality side that would would have cleared their lines, that they wouldn't have quite got that. Um, they wouldn't have quite got their goals that they did, and yeah, they should have a little little look back on that and a little think about where that could have necessarily gone, could have quite possibly gone wrong, uh, and it could very well have, but it didn't in the end. Obviously, Ukraine, if they're going to crack under pressure, they, it's better to do it against Ukraine than somebody like your, your Belgiums or your, or even your Italys or your, uh, your Portugals, your Spains, your, your Frances. It's better to do it against Ukraine, who may not punish you as much. They nearly did, but they got away with it in the end, Netherlands. And they'll be looking to head it into the last 16, obviously. It's a shame that the, the bottom three go through, to be honest. It's, it's a bit of a different system to what we normally have at the World Cup. And... You think about it, all you need is a, a win and a point. Sometimes you just need three draws. So it does take the excitement a little bit away from games, but obviously we see that. And, and you know, it's it's good to see. It's good to see that there's a lot of drama, and that game has really filled me with confidence for what could be coming up tomorrow. We've got games for Scotland and Czech Republic. We've got Poland and Slovakia. And we've got Spain and Sweden. Spain and Sweden's one I'm looking out for, but I'm also going to be having a little look at Poland and Scotland. I'm just going to watch them all, to be honest, obviously. <laughs> but... Today's action leaves Group C looking like this. Let's take a peek at what the group is looking like. So we've got Austria, who sit first place after their 3-1 win against North Macedonia, leading them with a plus-two goal difference and three points. In second place, we've got the Netherlands, who obviously managed that fantastic goal um, the game against a Ukrainian 3-2 win. They sit second. Third, we've got Ukraine, obviously just being edged out by the Netherlands in there after a almost quite fantastic comeback. And then North Macedonia sitting bottom of the pile. And they'll want to come back from that. And I'm sure they will. But we'll have to see what goes on with that. And that is your day's action. And, and Group D is still looking pretty pretty precarious. Obviously, you've got England at the top now with their 1-0 win. Only, t only team to win out in that group so far. Because you've got Czech Republic and Scotland playing tomorrow. Scotland, the first European Championship since 1996. They'll be looking to pick up some wins. And I'm looking forward to seeing them because they are a good team. They are a very good team, Scotland. And I, I think people shouldn't underestimate them, especially England. They will play on that pride and emotion that they're playing in against England. And that, that's going to be something that they can get in the England's faces for. Uh, we'll talk more about that game when it actually is. But Czech Republic could also spring some surprises. They've got the Hammers uh, heading the squad with Thomas Socek and obviously Vladimir, Vladimir Sufal as well. So there's plenty in there see what's going on and obviously we'll be looking forward to seeing both of those players playing in the tournament and then we've got players in that Czech Republic side that are going to also be sort of ones to watch you've got players who I think are very good in there they've got um, the very good player in Alex Kral who plays for Spartak Moscow who I've kept my arm for a little while they've got Adam, Adam Lozek who's 18 years of age who scored 15 goals and 7 assists in the Czechoslovakian league some good little players in there for Czechoslovakia. They need to Czech Republic and they need to think 
for long and hard Scotland about how they're going to contain them. Obviously, got the Hammers boys in there as well. Poland and Slovakia is one I'm looking out for, really. Poland, I like the way they play the football, and I've got my eye on a little player in there from Barnsley, Michael Helic, who I think is going to do a very good job at this Euros if he gets some minutes. Gregor Skrachowiak, anchor in the midfield, and obviously Robert Lewandowski. I think they've finally built around him. I think they've finally built a team that can challenge and a team that can potentially go far at this tournament. I don't think it's a one-man team anymore. Yes, you've got your star player, but I don't think they're quite a one-man team anymore. So I'm going to give my predictions for Scotland first because I forgot to do that. I'm going to say one all. Uh, am I going to say one all? No. I'm going to say 2-1 Scotland. And I'm going to go for goals from Scott McSauce in midfield. One from him, one from Che Adams, and then a goal from... Vladimir Dorida, I'm going to say, for them. And then next up, Poland and Slovakia, we just talked about there. Slovakia come into this, I think I think they're going to get knocked out of the group stage, but I think they can really put up a good fight. Uh, I'm going to say 2-0 Poland. And then Spain and Sweden. Spain, they've got such a technically astute side. So many technical players. And I'm looking forward to seeing what, what um, Luis Enrique does with this. Obviously, he blanked all of Los Blancos and, and left them all away. Uh, so we're going to see see what they do, see what happens with that. Um, and then obviously Sweden, who got very far in the... They've got two fantastic prospects, firstly. They've got Kulosevsky, who I think might be out with COVID-19. But they've got Alexander Isak, who scored 17 goals and two assists for Real Sociedad in the La Liga this season. So I'm going to say... Oh, this is difficult, isn't it? Um, I'm going to go... Oh, this is difficult. I'm going to go for... 3-1, no, that's that's really harsh on Sweden. Let's go for another 2-1. Uh, yeah, I'll go for another 2-1. But that brings us to the end of this podcast uh, with my little prediction for tomorrow. Bit, bit, bit tongue-in-cheek with those. But yeah, if you want to get involved in the podcast, feel free to send any questions, thoughts, anything you want down to EuroDiaryPod and I'll keep you guys in the loop or follow me on Twitter at LouisBent underscore and I'll see you in the next podcast. Tomorrow, we're going to be reviewing all those three games. God, I'm so, I'm so, I'm absolutely bumped after that game between Netherlands and Ukraine. What a game. And I'll see you in the next one. Goodbye, everybody.